Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Robert B. Sherman and Richard M. Sherman reminisce about their work on The Jungle Book, January 5th, 1990. One very fortunate day, Walt Disney called us in and said he'd like us to take a crack at writing some songs for The Jungle Book. We knew that it was being written by a good friend of ours, Terry Gilkison. And we uh, we were sort of surprised because we didn't know why we were being asked at all. He was doing a whole score for it, and what we learned was that uh, the original writers were so honest and sincere and straight ahead with the Kipling material that they had lost all that sense of fun and Disney uh, magic. What he said the first time in the first meeting was, have you read Jungle Book? We said, well, no, not for a long, long time. I, I think I remember seeing a an old Corda movie with, with Sabu in it, and he says, yeah, that's right. Nice, mysterious, heavy stuff. That's not what we want to do. He gave us uh, things to think about, like uh, don't be too heavy, don't be like the original book, give it a lightness, give it a Disney quality. And that's what we believed was what we had to work with. Your host, Jonathan Johnson. Hey there, Disney fans, and welcome back to another magical edition of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. I am your host, Jonathan Johnson, and this week we are taking a trip deep into the jungle, looking for the man village, and tossing some fluff into the mix, as we have none other than Bruce Reatherman stopping in this week here at the show. Bruce is a nature documentarian, a producer, a director, and also the voice of our favorite jungle pal, Mowgli, and our friend in the Hundred Acre Woods as Christopher Robin. Bruce is also the son of one of Walt Disney's original Nine Old Men, in Wolfgang Reitherman, who directed The Jungle Book and many other Disney classics. Bruce is going to stop in and discuss his father's legacy, Walt voicing Mowgli, and just what he is up to today. In addition, we have information on the latest Disney Blu-ray and DVD releases, entertainment news, and the latest Disney lowdown, and more. We have a winner for the Disney On Demand giveaway and all the songs that you know and love from the parks and your favorite movies. So before we jump into things this week, I want to mention that Disney On Demand is brought to you by DisneyBlue.net, where you can get all your Disney Disney Blu-ray information, news, and more, and also listen to our world-famous Listen to a Disney Movie Player right there on the homepage, and that's exclusively at DisneyBlue.net. And Disney On Demand is proudly sponsored by SR Sounds, where it's all Disney music all day long, and at SRSounds.com you can log on and leave it on. And SR Sounds is proudly sponsored by Magical Journeys Travel. At Magical Journeys, you can book your trip to any of the Disney resorts at YourMagicalJourneys.com. So as we get ready for this fantastic journey deep into the jungle, into the Hundred Acre Woods, and avoid Shere Khan, we're going to set sail with this week's Disney On Demand for the week of May 25th, 2010. Log on, leave it on. Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music, all day long. SRSounds.com
man's red fire to make my dream come true. Now give me the secret man club. Come on, tell me what to do. Give me the power of man's red flower so I can be like you. Oh, oh, that too. Tracks off the port side lead to Big Thunder Mountain, where gold was found a few years back. Indian legends say that evil spirits haunt the area. Well, the miners are starting to believe that. What with all the runaway trains that have been hurtling down the mountain lately. Speaking of trains, well, there's one that's run into a pile of trouble. and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses because this here's a wildest ride in the wilderness. I think Thunder Mountain 
sensation, there's a frightened, trembling man. His body's weak and feeble, and his skin has lost its tan. But I asked him for a ticket, he turned and shook his head. He grabbed me by the shoulder, and this is what he said. Before you get on board this train, there's something you should know. When I finish with this tale, you might not want to go. I listened with amazement that what he said was true. And now, my friend, the time has come to tell this tale to you. Hear the legend of Thunder Mountain. If you eat a pot and stay away from the Thunder Mountain Railroad. Thunder Mountain Railroad. As the legend has it on one foggy night in June The train and crew pulled out at well beneath the darkened moon The boiler full of water and the tender full of coal The whistle screamed a warning as the wheels began to roll Then like a bugging bronco with a cougar on its back The train began to run away now miles and miles of track What happened to the crew that night no one has ever learned The train pulled in all by itself the men did not return. Continues to unfold. The stories of its danger continue to be told. Avalanches and rattlesnakes and earthquakes in the night, and voices of that phantom crew that chill your blood with So please forgive me, Mister, if I'm standing in your way. But before you buy your ticket, there's one thing I have to say. Hear the Sorry for the hold-up, folks. There seems to be a slow-moving train up ahead, so we got to sit here for a spell. You just remain seated, and we'll be right with you. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky to the Magic Kingdom. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. We are circling the Disney-created Seven Seas Lagoon. Rising from the Magic Kingdom on the opposite shore is Cinderella Castle. 
You can also see Disney's Mountain Range, Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain in Frontierland, and Space Mountain in Tomorrowland. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five.
Alright Disney fans, so it is the week of May 25th, 2010, and Disney has been pushing many things coming to the box office and inside your home. And to start off, Prince of Persia, the action film from the team that brought you Pirates of the Caribbean, has been advertising like crazy, and I myself am excited to see this film personally. And it seems that Prince of Persia didn't exactly get the royal treatment overseas this past weekend. The Walt Disney Studios' big-budget video game adaption, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, opened in 19 foreign markets this past weekend, including every major European country except for France, one week ahead of its Memorial Day weekend debut here in the United States and the rest of the world. Now, the film only sold about 18 million worth of tickets worldwide. That's 5% more than the original opening of National Treasure in the same countries in 2004, but 13% less than the original Iron Man in 2008 and 24% less than 2005's Kingdom of Heaven. Now these are among some of the pictures that Disney is using as benchmarks for Prince of Persia, which was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and directed by Mike Newell. Now Prince of Persia was number one in every country where it opened except for Great Britain, where it was in a tight battle scoring in at number two with Robin Hood behind the local 3D movie. Now the studio was noting that the Western Europe experienced unreasonably warm weather this past weekend. Maybe people are sitting inside their homes over this, but I don't know. I'm not sure if Prince of Persia can top Robin Hood overseas, but I know I'm personally looking forward to a good old-fashioned Hollywood blockbuster action film this summer. Now moving from the big screen to the small screen with Disney video game news. And Kingdom Hearts, the prequel, is arriving September 7th. Square Enix LTD, along with Disney Interactive Studios, announced that the latest game in their Kingdom Hearts series is going to arrive in North America exclusively on the Sony PlayStation Portable System September 7th, 2010. Entitled Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, this is the prequel to the role-playing game series which melds Disney characters with those from Square Equinot's Final Fantasy series where the feature roles are played by voice veteran actors such as Mark Hamill, James Woods, and Leonard Nimoy, and the game is also going to be the first official appearance as Brett Ewan as the fourth voice of King Mickey Mouse. Now, many of you know that Wayne Elwine, the voice of Mickey Mouse, has recently passed in the last year, and Brett is going to helmet and take it over, and this is his debut in the Kingdom Hearts game. In addition to the game itself, Square Equinox and Sony Computer Entertainment will release an entertainment pack that is going to have a Mystic Silver PSP 3000 system, the Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep game, a yet-to-be-determined movie whose content is unrelated to the Kingdom Hearts series, and a 4GB Memory Stick Pro for extra data storage. Now, as much as the Kingdom seems like it's going to be a fun game, I personally am more interested in hearing Brett do his take on Mickey. I know he's pretty good from other talks that I've had with him, as well as some voice work that he's done for the Disney on Ice, doing Mickey Mouse for that series as well. But now this is his big time Mickey debut. Now getting back to some movies with Pixar's Day and Night short coming up very soon. Now last week here at Disney On Demand, I talked about this short, and now it seems that SlashFilm.com is sharing an exclusive clip from Pixar's next short film, Day and Night. Now this is directed by Teddy Newton, and the short features two characters, one filled with day and the other filled with night. And Day and Night is going to be attached to the Toy Story 3, which is going to be opening in theaters June 18th. So head on over to SlashFilm.com and wet your whistle with the new animated short before it even hits the big screens. 
And finally, moving into the small screen and the Disney Channel. And the Disney Channel original movie, 16 Wishes, is set to air on Disney Channel June 25th. Now, the movie stars Disney's Sweet Life on Deck actress, Debbie Ryan, and is all about getting what you wish for, but finding out that it's not everything you thought it would be. It's not an old tale, but it's always one that can be reinvented time and time again. And who else to reinvent it than Disney? And, you know, you may not like the Disney Channel movies, but I have to say that the Disney Channel original movies are really a good venue. I mean, yes, they're there to pump up the Disney Channel stars, but it's still a fun, great way to get some good movies and classic Disney live-action films like the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. I mean, come on. Those were also venues to pump people like Haley Mills, Kurt Russell. So come on, you can't hate it. You gotta embrace it and love it as well. So, Disney fans, this is your Disney Entertainment News so far this week, and as we draw closer, having our special guest, Bruce Reitherman, here on the show, the voice of Mowgli, stopping in, let's venture off into another musical block and get your foot tapping and marching in line with Colonel Hathie, and we'll be right back. Log on, leave it on. Sorcerer Radio, srsounds.com. Time, stepping time, come on, mighty stepping time. Stepping time. Stepping time, stepping time, stepping time, stepping time. Never your knees and never your mind. Stepping time, stepping time. Get your knees up, get your knees up, stepping time. Get your knees up, stepping time. Never your knees and never your mind. Get your knees up, stepping time. Round the chimney, round the chimney, stepping time. Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be lost. On Sorcerer Radio, srsounds.com. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. Akira. I'm getting a little sleepy. Shouldn't we start back home? Mowgli, this time we're not going back. I'm taking you to a man village. But why? Because Shere Khan has returned to this part of the jungle. And he has sworn to kill you. Kill me? But why would he want to do that? He hates man. And Shere Khan is not going to allow you to grow up to become a man. 
SRSounds.com <laughs> Trust in me Just in me still plays. You can sleep safe and sound knowing I am around. Slip into silent slumber sail on a silver And surely your senses will cease to resist. Trust in me, just in me. Michael Leon Woolley, the voice of Lewis the Alligator. Hallelujah! And you're listening to Disney on Demand! All right, Disney fans, I'm back once again, and in a few moments, we're going to have the one and only 
Bruce Reitherman, son of Wolfgang, on the show. But first, let's roll into some Disney Blu-ray and DVD news with James and the Giant Peach. Now, we've reported about this Blu-ray edition coming in August before here on Disney On Demand, but just released are some of the specifics and details about what is actually going to be on these discs. Now, the Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment has announced that the Blu-ray disc release of James and the Giant Peach, the special edition, is going to be hitting Blu-ray on August 3rd, 2010, and it's going to feature a digitally restored edition, including a production featurette, a looking at the making of the film, a good news music video performed by Randy Newman, a full still frame gallery, all kinds of Easter eggs, and many other bonus features that are going to be on this. I think the making of is going to be a fantastic addition just to see how this wonderful film was made. James and the Giant Peach is highly underrated, and it's a fantastic film, and come on, you can't go wrong with having the Jack Skellington cameo in it. And don't forget that Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland is going to be hitting Blu-ray next week on June 1st, along with the Disney Travel Channel Blu-ray Combo Collection as well. Now on the DVD front, the special edition of Airbud World Pup is going to be hitting the store floors on June 16th. Now this special edition DVD is going to have the movie along with bonus features and a fully digitally restored version of the film. And now, down the road on DVD, The Search for Santa Paws is going to be making its way into your holidays starting November 23rd. Now, the first Buddy Santa movie was such a big hit that a sequel was sure to follow. And this franchise, I think, has just hit a new string of hits. Now that the sports films have seen their day, the adventure films... I think we're going to see a lot of holiday buddy movies. And this is going to be released on both Blu-ray and Standard Edition DVD November 23rd. And in a six degrees of separation kind of Disney news, Popeye is going to be hitting the screens soon once again and in 3D. According to Variety, Sony Animation Studios is prepping to make a CGI adaption of the classic Popeye series. Now the film is going to be in 3D and is set to be produced by Avia Rod, who has previously teamed with Sony for the Spider-Man franchise. Now Mike Jones is in negotiation to adapt the film, and the film will mark the first time that Popeye has hit the big screen in over 20 years, with the 1980 live-action movie being the last time to grace the theaters. And that 1980s classic with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall is a must-have for your viewing pleasure. I have to say that because it was released by Disney along with Paramount Pictures as a joint film. Now, if you've never seen this classic musical, you got to see it. you got to pick it up. You can get it for under $5 at any Target, Walmart, the store of your choice. It's a great Disney and Paramount release. <laughs> All right, Disney fans, if it seems like I'm blowing through it, I am just psyched to talk with Bruce Reitherman this week. And we're getting that much closer to talking with Bruce here on Disney On Demand in just a moment. So I do want to take the time to announce this week's winner for the Disney Blue Disney On Demand Contest Giveaway. And this week's winner is Wayne Toper. Congratulations, and we'll contact you once the show is over to get your prize off to you. Now, if you want to see what we're giving away this week, be sure to stop by the Disney On Demand page at DisneyBlue.net. And I'd also like to thank SR Sounds once again, where you can log on, leave it on, for helping bring Disney On Demand to you every single week. All right, Disney fans, the time has arrived. We've eluded Sheer Khan. We've made some friends. We've had a cuddly little bear. And now Bruce Reitherman is waiting on the line. So let's break off into one more musical block. I'll prep up Bruce. And when we come back, we're going to have the one and only Bruce Reitherman here on the show. Be right back in just a minute, Disney fans. Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music. All Disney music. All day long. SRSounds.com. Mm-hmm. 
Jonathan Johnson. Ooh. Dibs. On Sorcerer Radio. Okay, I'm convinced. SRSounds.com.
Oh, you heard me, huh? Mowgli! Mowgli! All right, what happened? Where's Mowgli? They ambushed me. Thousands of them. I jabbed with my left. Then I swung with the right. And then I let... Oh, for the last time. What happened to Mowgli? Like I told you, the mangy monkeys carried him off. The ancient ruins. Oh, I hate to think what will happen when he meets that king of theirs. Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music. All day long. SRSounds.com rain cloud hovering under the honey tree I'm only a little black rain cloud pay no attention to little me oh everyone knows that a rain cloud never eats honey no not a nip I'm just floating around over the ground wondering where I will <laughs> oh, everyone knows that a rain cloud never eats honey. No, not a nap. Just floating around over the ground, wondering where I will drip. <laughs> it's Disney Blues, Disney on demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, we are back with another installment here of Disney On Demand on SR Sounds. We're doing all kinds of things this week, including The Jungle Book, Winnie the Pooh. And with us here this week, of course, is none other than the voice of Mowgli, the voice of Christopher Robin. And I I guess he's done tons of other things that we'll touch upon later. We have none other than Bruce Retherman with us here on the program. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, thank you. It's it's great to be here. You know, it's our pleasure to have you on and take the time out of your busy schedule to do this. And, uh, of course, many of our Disney fans out there are well familiar with The Jungle Book. You know, one of the last films that Walt actually personally had a hand in making. Um, you know, I guess let's just start with a little bit farther back. And, uh, you know, you're pretty much well familiar with the Disney animation process just being part of your family as well, correct? Sure. Well, the, you know, my whole inv- involvement with the studio began with my dad's work there as one of the early animators, one of Disney's nine old men. He began there, um, gee, well before Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, well before the first uh, animated feature that they developed there, and then continued through as an animator and a directing animator, um, and then directing, sort of the stone, directing and producing, as I recall, at least directing all of the Winnie the Pooh um, featurettes, and then um, getting full direct credit on The Jungle Book, and uh, let's see, Robin Hood, The Rescuers, and uh, The Aristocats. So his, his career there was long and, and legendary. My career was sort of uh, short and, uh, and sweet, for me especially, but uh, my, my proudest moment is really um, 
talking about my dad's work in many ways and, and what an amazing career he had there at the studio. Right, and like you said, I mean, he is one of the legends in, in the Disney, fran- I guess, history, like you said, before Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, working on uh, many of the films that are classics today that, you know, generations continue to grow up with, and my kids are growing up with as well. It's quite a legacy, really. I, um, it, it's interesting to, to think of, uh, boy, all the things he was involved with, virtually all of the, the folding features and um, a variety of shorts in the beginning as well. Uh, um just a, just a remarkable bunch of, of people, um, a r- remarkably uh, dynamic group of fellows. The, the nine old men uh, moniker that uh, apparently Walt Disney applied to the whole group is is interesting in a way, but in some ways I imagine them more like the New York Yankees of the 50s and 60s that were just, you know, they were the team that uh, they couldn't be beat. Um, tremendous individual talents, each of them excellent um, at, at the individual things that they did well. Um, and, and then playing together as a team where the individual talents melded together into uh, you know, something of championship caliber that just stands head and shoulders above the rest of what was produced in that era. Definitely, and you know, like you said, his career is long and instant, extensive, and that brings us to you, of course, and you had, uh, you know, you say it was short and sweet, but it is definitely memorable with Generations Upon Generations, and uh, that all began with voicing Christopher Robin, I guess the legendary uh, character from Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree back in 1966. Uh, how did that come about, and I guess how did it feel to voice this character for, uh, I guess, you know, the popular illustrated books that uh, now have become where I think Generations only associate with those Disney classics now. Yeah, especially here, at least in the United States. I mean, clearly they're they're a, a more uh, sort of fundamental part of what kids read um, in England, in the country where they were originally written. But um, you know, I, I, I vividly remember, um, and this is beginning to be one of my earlier memories. I was probably seven or eight, and I remember going to a. Um, to an audition, as it were, with a bunch of other kids, all on the big uh, studio um, soundstage there at at the Disney studio, and um, just one after another going into this gigantic microphone all by ourselves in the middle of this studio that's that's used to record uh, 100-piece orchestras, you know, when the need arises. So you're this little tiny kid and this great big microphone, and they would give you some lines to read. There were many kids that had English accents, I recall. There were um, a variety of kids from a variety of different sort of, um, you know, walks of life. And, of course, at that age, I think what they were looking for was a certain innocence. They, w- they weren't looking for, uh, uh, you know, American Idol stage presence, that kind of ability to really, you know, captivate an audience. And, and you know, they, they weren't trying to discover the next star. They were just trying to find a kid who could feel natural and innocent in the context of this story that is just, it's, it's the essence of, of, uh, of childhood uh, innocence, naivete, in, in the best senses of the word, or the best sense of both words. So um, somehow or other, I came out of that audition process with the job to be uh, Christopher Robin, which I know has rankled the, at the time it, it, it uh, it, it, it rubbed against the, uh, the English sensibilities when they found one of the icons of their of their childhood literature voiced by a fellow who didn't have even a touch of an English accent, and who, in <laughs> fact, even made fun of the English a bit when he said, tut, tut, it looks like rain, when he when he opens his umbrella and strolls underneath the, you know, Pooh Bear coming with blood floating <laughs> by, the, by the honey tree. 
But I survived, uh, you know, somehow I survived that, uh, that critical, uh, critical juncture in my career and, and went on to bigger and better things with the Jungle Book. Right, you know, and, and doing the Christopher Robin bit, I guess, you know, doing the voiceover work, it's in something entirely new, especially at that age. Um, you know, back then when Disney was just really on, I, I guess, on the ball, on top of everything, um, how did it feel to actually go to the theater and just know that that was you doing the voice for once? Um, you know, I, you know, knowing the process of animation and how it feels. I mean, did you lose yourself feeling oh, that's really Christopher Robin, or were you just more amazed that that was you portraying Christopher Robin? I very quickly uh, forget. I mean, there are moments when I kind of um, almost like a dolphin swims. There's moments where you kind of porpoise up to the surface and you you have this little momentary appreciation or memory of a particular moment or something from from the process of recording or making the film. Um, but for most of the time I sit and watch either of those those projects, I, I just didn't get carried away by the story. I get carried away by the, by the whole flow of it, by the music, um, by the, you know, kind of the narrative, um, by the compelling quality of just this narrative, this, this thread that you just want to follow along until the end. And I find myself having a hard time really... Uh, uh, maintaining a connection with my involvement and just instead of just enjoying the the ride and and being swept along in the flow very nice and like you said you went on to bigger and better things with the jungle book which um is definitely one of the staples when it comes to disney and the disney name everybody loves the jungle book the memorable characters you know you have the likes of phil harris i mean great talent involved with that and also um if i'm correct it was the last animated film that walt disney was actually you know in the process of overseeing before his untimely death i guess how was that to actually be on the studio working on the jungle book knowing uh you know uncle walt was walking around uh was it you know as magical for everybody else or you know because you were younger you were just in awe because you were there well, my my connection, my contacts with Walt Disney, um, in as much as I was twelve, I guess when he passed away, <coughs> excuse me, were um, you know few and far between. I didn't you know, I didn't hang out with Walt very much. We didn't <laughs> chill together in the uh, current parlance. But um, y- you know, his presence was was strongly felt everywhere there, and he was such a such an impressive. Um, Showman, in the again, in the very best sense of the word, he had such a strong sense of what an audience would relate to, and and how that might change over time. Many of the films were very different from one another. They they weren't cookie cutter. Uh, I think that's part of why the animated films uh, still stand up. There were there was never there was never a sequel to Cinderella. There was never Cinderella three or two. Um, not that that's a bad idea necessarily, but <clears throat> I think it's important to appreciate that he was always searching for something new and, and a fresh way to do it, a groundbreaking way to do it, a, um, a way that would um, continue to sort of define this involving medium known as, as the full-length animated uh, feature. Uh, he, he really, that attitude could be felt everywhere there at the studio. And, um, you know, as, he, as uh, his health declined there at the end, uh, I think people were were aware of it, and um, it made the experience, I think, in some ways all the more poignant. I know, I know my father certainly uh, had a tremendous respect for him and was, um, you know, very deeply moved by his passing. So uh, moved and inspired, I suppose, at the same time to try and carry on something that had been uh, precious and was worth, worth preserving for, for a time longer. 
And you know, and and you know, with that, I guess a lot of people, you know, they lose the fact that Walt was, you know, he had this feeling, like you said. Even if you don't come across him, you know, every day in the studio, things like that, there was this energy, just knowing, you know, who was a driving force behind everything, and you know, bringing us to that Jungle Book, you know, the last animated film that Walt was overseeing. You know, your father worked on that. You were on that. Um, I guess, how did it feel to play Mowgli? Because I, I guess the film itself is filled with so many memorable Disney tunes, you know, by the Sherman Brothers. And, I mean, there's just so many great names attached to that film. Um, you know, how did you get the role? And uh, I guess, did you have a vision for Mowgli when you were voicing him? <laughs> a vision for Mowgli. That makes it sound so, uh, you know, as if I were... Uh, studying it with Strasbourg, you know, somehow. Um, <laughs> no, very, very far, far, that would be very far from the truth. I mean, I got the job largely because, again, um, I, I, I wasn't working at it too hard. I didn't, I didn't have in mind a uh, long career as an actor. I wasn't um, act. And in a, in a movie, The Jungle Book is, um, perhaps it's not unique, but at least it's exceptional in the in the degree to which are at the very foundation of it. It's a relatively simple story. And it's all about, I mean, the, the success of it, it hinges um, primarily on these really dynamic characters. I mean, you know, Phil Harris as Baloo the Bear. I mean, Sebastian Cabot as this, as this sleek black panther, which um, if you know Sebastian Cabot at all personally, um, you, you would know that he was um, physically very far from that uh, from that image in his own um, uh, appearance, he was a, he was a, a uh, very dignified and very well dressed and, and coiffured man, but um, a little on the heavy side. So seeing him as a panther is is something uh, extraordinary. But it, it, you know his voice captures that that lithe kind of panther like quality. And George Saunders is the tiger, Shere Khan, um, cheap uh, Louis Prima as as King Louis. These are these are personalities. These are characters that jump right off the off the screen, and which um, which take up quite a little bit of the oxygen in the room, as it were. You know, when when you have when you have uh, uh, Phil Harris singing the Bare Necessities, you know he doesn't need a whole lot of help. He doesn't need a whole lot of backup. And um, I really think that my role in 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 much of it, <clears throat> much of the movie, was to provide um, almost someone to to listen to these characters, someone to appreciate them in a way for the audience you know almost almost like vicariously um the audience the audience might have a hard time imagining being king louis king of the apes but they might not have a hard time identifying with this little 12 year old kid who really doesn't want to grow up he'd really like to stick around in the in the jungle and doesn't want to go back to the man village and i i think that um that's really the the key to the success of the jungle book and and in really is um something of the genius of casting me as the little kid is that I, I was just sort of a natural little kid. I mean, literally, I think my dad was scratching his head trying to figure out where on earth they're going to get an actor who, uh, who sounds like a, a normal 12-year-old who, who uh, you know, is very um, natural about it. And he looked over at the sofa, and, you know, there I was watching TV, and he realized he'd, he'd solved his problem. So... <clears throat> um, it's a funny it's a funny project for me to be associated with because um boy those other those other characters are so strong and um uh that I even get mentioned in the same breath with them is something of a uh 
uh, you know, an honor that uh, I find a little bit of embarrassment with. But um, it's a great film, and it's the, the, the fun of it all, and the sheer um, kind of casual enjoyment of it all. Um, it really felt like one big family, and uh, I think that um, that's an important part of its success. Right, you know, and I think when you say that, you know, that captures it right there. Um, one big family, because, you know, it comes across, you know, on screen, chemistry between the characters and things like that that really make a film together. You know, when everybody comes across like that, you're, you, like you said, it's that family environment. It feels like one big family. Uh, the chemistry makes the film memorable and makes it stand up and, and also makes it so, you know, people can sit back and feel like they're sitting there enjoying watching this film with friends. Mm. It's a it is a film that's very easy to watch, isn't it? I mean, I've watched it a million times with my kid, my daughter, and uh, um, it is a it is a very comforting kind of, of film. Even though there's times when um, you know there's some there's some danger and some peril and um, twists and turns, it's it's a film that um, I don't know. I think it's really a very satisfying film. It's it's and and then you know. It, it, it's so easy as we sit here and talk about all the great um, actors involved, the, the voice talent. It's so easy to forget what an, what a spectacular film it is to to look at. I mean, you can turn the sound off and look at that film as um, as one might if they were studying the the uh, animation technique. And you know, it's a heck of an achievement. I mean, the personality that's that's captured in the uh, the movements and the facial expressions of the characters and. And then just the sheer um, <clears throat> sort of uh, energy of this great story that that um, yeah, starts off with a little boy, a little tiny baby, and ends up as a as a, essentially a, 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 a young fellow on the on the threshold of manhood. It's um, it's quite a tale. Definitely, you know, and you know, and you didn't stop there, like you said. You didn't plan on uh, going into acting full time and things like that. But uh, you know, you fast forward a couple of different years, and uh, you know, 1977 was a big year for you because one, you were graduating, of course, from Berkeley, but you also came back to voice Christopher Robin as the singing voice in Little Black Rain Cloud, which uh, I think it appears on pretty much every Disney compilation album out there. And how did that feel? I guess you know, knowing years later that they were pulling those sound bites still um, forward for, uh, I guess, further adventures, further releases, oh. uh, and things like that. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting too because when they repackaged all three of those, you know, originally the one of the Pooh stories were all um, produced as as um, half-hour features, essentially featurettes, essentially. And when they repackaged them as one um, unit, they had to go to then a modern new Winnie the Pooh, uh, excuse me, not Winnie the Pooh, a new uh, Christopher Robin, a new child, because all the other actors were the same all the way through, and they were adults all the way through, so their voices didn't change very much from the first one to the last one, even though the, the shows had been produced over a, what was it, an eight or a ten-year period of time. But um, my voice, of course, you know, I, they couldn't very well <laughs> go back and sound like a seven-year-old anymore. And nor could they get uh, either of the other two fellows that they'd had do the uh, the subsequent uh, ep- episodes of Winnie the Pooh. So I think what they did is they got yet a fourth kid to go back and do all the speaking parts. But but they couldn't. Um, maybe they didn't want to. They they couldn't disentangle the voices from the songs. And so uh, where the children sing the the songs, I think those are the original characters, and that's certainly the case with uh, with the song that I sang in Honey Tree. Now, um, you know, there always seems to be this constant theme so far, you know, uh, like you said, um, you have Winnie the Pooh, you have the Jungle Book, you know, two outdoorsy nature, um, you know, 
I guess, uh, natural kind of movies in terms of animals and preservation and, and things like that. And that also comes into what you have done later on in life, of course, when you graduated from Berkeley, um, you know, with a major in natural resources and, and items like that. And you've actually gone on and created a couple of different documentaries and, and things like that, I guess, for any of our Disney fans out there. Um, I guess, how did that come full circle and, you know, exactly elaborate what is it that you have created on terms of that front? Yeah, it is true that what I did, I, you know, I never really pursued acting much after uh, after these uh, these two roles in these two Disney films. And then um, late in college, I discovered that I really did like the, the natural world and wanted to know more about it. And then um, over the following 20-odd years, once I got out of college, I... I um, pursued a career in natural history television documentaries so gee, I did a freelance work for the BBC and the National Geographic and a bunch of other people worked in six continents ultimately in a couple of dozen countries and, and produced uh, half a dozen shows of my own and, and contributed to um, uh, a bunch of others and um, uh, it is tempting to wonder whether some Somehow my uh, involvement with uh, the Jungle Book didn't kind of um, plant the seed for being interested in, in animals and, and wildlife and things outdoors. Um, but one way or another, that's the way it worked out, and um, it was a very satisfying occupation. Um, you know, it, it, it was a job. It's actually a rather um, difficult job in the sense that there's times when it's not very comfortable and and um, you're away from home a lot and all those things. But uh, I think that, that what I got out of the experience of, of um, contributing to these Disney features, what I got out of it was um, a, uh, an appetite for moving people, for, for um, telling stories and for um, reaching an audience, you know, making, being, doing something that's entertaining, uh, touching people. And... Uh, I tried to I tried to um, include that kind of a philosophy or an approach in the the nature shows that I did because I do I do think that nature is a pretty amazing place and that um, often we take it for granted and and we don't um, uh, even as documentary filmmakers we often don't don't take advantage of the chance to make people have an emotional experience to to what they're seeing. Um, oftentimes it's more of a lesson. Than, than an adventure, and it deserves to be uh, truly an, uh, the adventure of a lifetime. So uh, I, am, I, I am very proud of having had um, an involvement with, with these really remarkable bits of, of Disney history, and I'm super proud of my dad's legacy there at the, at the studio. And, um, you know, I just hope that I can continue to... Uh, I've got another documentary film project I'd like to produce uh, here I'm, I'm developing that... Uh, might be the uh, the first uh, uh, large scale theatrical 3D nature documentary, um, which would uh, take place in Alaska and deal with the incredible salmon migration. So I'm I'm still I'm still um, I'm still thinking like Walt, if that isn't uh, uh, overstating it. I mean I'm trying. Uh, what would Walt do? Is is a question I sometimes ask myself when uh, I'm involved in my own. Uh, filmmaking endeavors, and um, it's it's a good question to uh, to ask as a filmmaker. It's not a bad question to ask, um, really, from anybody in any walk of life, because he he led a pretty remarkable life. And if you come half 
half as close to uh, to doing great things as he did, you you ought to be pretty satisfied. Definitely, you know, and uh, you know, I definitely think that uh, if you can bring a 3D nature documentary to the big screen, uh, I, I, I have to say I'd have to be there because I am a big nature fan myself and uh, just recently have watched um, a variety of nature documentaries on Blu-ray, and that just right there is an experience in itself. Yep, yep, <laughs> and there's hard, it's hard to think of a, of a kind of film where the 3D experience of making you feel even more as if you really are there it's hard to think of a you know genre or a class of films that uh, deserves to have that treatment more than nature. And um, believe me, it is so hard. But when you spend a whole career doing this sort of thing, you realize how hard it is to give people any sense of what of what the real world is really like when you present it to them on a little tiny TV screen in their living rooms. You know, that's it, it seems like such a powerful way, and we have great TV screens now in our homes. And and yet, still, compared to the vista that spreads out before you when you're standing on the flank of a you know, North America's tallest peak or, or uh, you know, in, in a, uh, a forest community with lemurs in the trees in southern Madagascar. A TV screen is a very limited medium, and the, the more you can improve upon that, the more you can make that experience real, I think the more you, you bring people to an awareness and understanding of uh, how cool the outdoors is and, and how um, important it is to preserve it. Right, you know, <clears throat> and I, I couldn't agree with that more, you know, especially checking it out on a gigantic IMAX 3D, you're going to get that experience. So, yeah. um, you know, I guess for all of our Disney fans out there, you know, you've done a lot of things in your career so far, you know, uh, of course, fond, fond memories of the Jungle Book and Winnie the Pooh and things like that. And uh, is there anything that you'd like to leave with any of our Disney listeners out there, um, just as a final thought of uh, just, uh, I guess, something to leave them with out there from Bruce? <laughs> Let's Don't mean to put you on the spot. Send me money. No. <laughs> I'm sure you were thinking of something far more profound and and um, life-changing, but uh, kind of not my business. Um, I, I just would love to leave people with the idea that I had a heck of a good time. Uh, I had a um, kind of a, um, you know, very formative experience for me, and um, I'm, I'm very tickled if it, um, in the watching of any of these things I was involved with, uh, Winnie the Pooh or, or The Jungle Book, if in the watching of those films anybody else gets uh, half the half the jolt out of watching them that I got in uh, participating in them, I, uh, I'll i be very happy. Very good. Well, you know, it was our pleasure, you know, taking the time, stopping in with us. Um, you know, you know, it was definitely a pleasure talking with you, reminiscing um, over what I consider some of the great uh, animated Disney films that uh, just go down in history that uh, are passed on generation to generation and uh you know if anybody wants to find out more about you they can check you out on imdb they can uh, you know find you on wikipedia find you all over the web um if they want to find out more about your father i'm sure they can find that anywhere in the disney archives he's well known within the disney history um so bruce it was our pleasure you know thank you once again for stopping in oh it's been my pleasure thank you very much for having me The simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife I mean the 
Bare necessities are Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. When you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. The bare necessities of life will come to you. They'll come to you. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease with just the bare necessities of life. Now, when you pick a pawpaw or a prickly pear, and you prick a raw paw, well, next time beware. Don't pick the prickly pear by the paw. When you pick a pear, try to use the claw. But you don't need to use the claw when you pick a pair of the big paw paw. Have I given you a clue? The bare necessities of life will come to you. They'll come to you. Just try and relax, yeah, cool it, fall apart in my backyard. Cause let me tell you something, little wretches. If you act like that bee acts, uh-uh, you're working too hard. And don't spend your time looking around for something you want that can't be found. When you find out you can live without it and go along not thinking about it, I'll tell you something true. The bare necessities of life will come to you. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean a bare necessities That's why a bear can rest at ease With just the bare necessities of life 
yet With just the bare necessities of what you mean Log on, leave it on Sorcerer Radio SRSounds.com When I was a little kid, I never liked to eat. Mom would put things on my plate and I'd dump them on her feet. But then one day she made this soup and I ate it all in bed. I asked her what she put in it, and this is what she said. Chicken whips and lizard hips and alligator eyes. Monkey legs and buzzer legs and salamander thighs. I stood beside the sink I said I'm feeling slightly ill And I think I'd like a drink Mama said I'm just a thing We'll get it in a week It's full of lots of protein And vitamins, I think It was chicken and lizard hips And alligator eyes Monkey legs and buzzer eggs And salamander thighs Here's some for you and you and you. Bon appetit. Yeah! Yummy. <laughs> Worse, there's luck left. Don't you want dessert? Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. <laughs> In 1967, Walt Disney Movies released The Jungle Book, the last animated film that was overseen by Walt Disney himself before his death. The book is based on Rudyard Kipling's story of Mowgli, a young Indian boy that was raised in the jungle by a pack of wolves and learned to live and interact with the many animals that live in the jungle. However, as he gets older, he's forced to leave the wolf pack for safety, looking for the man's village because Shere Khan the tiger wants to kill him. Mowgli wants to stay in the jungle, and as he is exploring, meets up with many memorable characters like Baloo the Bear, Bagheera the Panther, and King Louie, the orangutan king of the monkeys. In the end, he does return to the man village, with some persuasion of a little Indian girl at the water well who bats her eyes at him. The film has many classic songs written by the Sherman Brothers, and one written by Terry Gilkison, The Bear Necessities. The songs are well-loved and well-known, and are often remade by different musicians. The songs are so good that it's really hard to pick a favorite, but they include such classics as The Bear Necessities, sung by Baloo, I Want to Be Like You, King Louie, one of my favorites, Trust in Me, sung by Ka the Snake, and That's What Friends Are For, sung by the very Beatles-like vultures that are in the movie. The voice actors are very good and really bring the characters to life in the film. Several have been in other Disney movies, like Phil Harris, played Baloo in The Jungle Book, but also Little John in Disney's Robin Hood, and Sterling Holloway, who voiced Ka the Snake, but is best known as Winnie the Pooh. Now, the story is a little bit of a departure from the original Kipling story because Walt Disney felt it was too dark for his taste. 
And that's saying something from the man who loved Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In fact, Walt Disney told the animation crew to throw away the book. He had even told the head of the animation crew not to even read the book. So, don't expect it to be too close to the original Rudyard Kipling story. Now, here is one very fun fact about the movie. In the film, there are four vultures that look like the Beatles. They were actually based on the Beatles in the 1960s. Now, there were talks about having the Beatles voice those characters, but in the end, John Lennon vetoed the idea. So the characters look familiar and sound familiar. They're very Liverpoolian, but they were not actually voiced by the Beatles, although the caricatures are pretty darn close, including the hair falling down over the eyes of one vulture, a la Ringo Starr. Now, this is a very good family film, featuring an oft-repeated Disney movie theme of a character trying to find his place in the world. Now, there are some frightening scenes when Mowgli meets up with Shere Khan at the end, but overall it's not too bad, especially considering the fire scene in Bambi and other scary scenes in classic Disney films. Our movie reviewers, our two children, have loved the film, and at times one of them has tried to be an elephant, a monkey, and even a bear. It's really kind of fun to watch her walking around on all fours like Mowgli, trying to fit into the elephant regiment. Again, the songs are Disney classics and are always good to sing with the family. We have most of them on our iTunes Disney playlist and listen to them often. Our two reviewers would give The Jungle Book two thumbs up, and even Dad would give it a thumbs up. In 2007, The Jungle Book was released on DVD in a 40th anniversary platinum edition. You can find it on Amazon for about $21.49 and on Half.com for around $12. It's a great movie and another Disney classic that should be in everyone's family library. This is Rachel Pilgrim from the Mouse Travel Tips podcast, a mouse-sized podcast packed with Disney travel tips. Thank you so much for listening. This is Robert Guillaume, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. You know, it's been a crazy organic show here this week at Disney On Demand, and I do want to thank srsounds.com once again for bringing Disney On Demand to all of you every single week, and it's been my pleasure to stop in once again and chat with all of you. So, as always, I'm going to mention all the different ways that you can interact with myself and Disney On Demand. And First off, you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disneyblue. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash disneyblue on Skype at Disney Blue and AOL Instant Messenger at RFR Podcast. And definitely check out all the details of the newest upcoming Disney Blu-ray releases, information, and our world-famous Listen to a Disney Movie Player found on the homepage on DisneyBlue.net. And that's B-L-U. And I'd like to thank SR Sounds once again for continuing to bring Disney On Demand to all of you every single week. So uh, until next week, have a magical week. Sorcerer Radio. It's all about Disney dreams and the magical way Disney cast members can make them come true for you. SRSounds.com. There she is, the Caribbean. All ashore who's going ashore. There might be treasure. Sailed from Spain to Africa, we've seen a world beyond belief. And we spied Australia's shore, sailed by Great Barrier Reef. From India to Singapore, we fought for treasure coast to coast. Now we're heading for the land we pirates love the most. 
Daybreak, we will be there. You will not believe your eyes. Full speed ahead to Pirate's Paradise. Welcome, welcome to the Caribbean, where water sparkles in ten shades of blue. It's true. Welcome, welcome to the Caribbean. Enjoy the ocean breeze. Sleep under swaying trees. The pirates here do anything they please. is an island hop from Trinidad and Martinique. Lady, it's all there for you. Go find the pleasure you seek. Do the native song and dance. Explore the coves and hidden caves. Find the treasure in the sand that's washed up by the waves. Daybreak, we will be there. You will not believe your eyes. Full speed ahead to Pirate's Paradise. Welcome, welcome to the Caribbean, where water in ten shades of blue, it's true. Welcome, welcome to the Caribbean. Enjoy the ocean breeze, sleep under swaying trees. The pirates here do anything they please. On demand. Deep in the hundred acre wood where Christopher Robin plays, you'll find the enchanted neighborhood of Christopher's childhood days. A donkey named Eeyore is his friend. Silly old man. 
Sorcerer Radio, all Disney music, all Disney music, all day long. SRSounds.com. Bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities, all Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Presents Disney on Demand with your host, Jonathan Johnson. (laughs) 